0: Hey, Tyler. Hey, Piet! What's going on? Welcome to the New Score podcast. My name is Pat. This is my co-host, TYG, Tyler Pratt. Tyler Pratt, how we be doing? Oh, (laughs) we be doing. We be doing. I got um,
1: a special treat for everybody today. This is free advertising, by the way. Make sure you guys go cop yourself a little bottle of brown water. And, um, yeah, so that's what we're swigging on tonight, boys. Drink of the night. Cheers,
0: mate. And cheers, mate. Well, this is Episode 7, tire. We got our Week 9 NFL recap. By the way, if you're on YouTube right now, do us a favor and click like and subscribe if you're on spotify if you're on apple Podcasts, give us a follow on that uh follow our facebook page new score podcast and most importantly follow us on ig new underscore score underscore podcast uh we're looking to do a lot more fan interaction now going forward and we're going to be putting out some stuff on that ig page to uh Engage with our fans a little bit more, Tyler. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. let's get on that. Uh, we're gonna introduce a new segment, just a Q and A segment, um, and that's why we, you know, we want to, we want your support to, uh, to get your insight, get some questions from you, uh, get more involved with you. So tonight we got q and A Q&A segment, got a few questions, I uh, mm-hmm. rounded up, and this episode is gonna be just talking football, talking week nine NFL. We will have another segment uh, or excuse me, another uh, episode at the end of the week where we'll get into some more segments. Uh, But today it's just it's just strictly ball, baby. Let's go. So let's go. Let's let's dive into uh, this Mm Q&A. First question is from my old boy from TC3, my third baseman for life marcus chestnut Chestnut. he wants to know who is the scariest team in the nfl right now um Mm. scariest team in the nfl right now i'm thinking this team at their best against that team at their best and right now the team that is the scariest to me is got to be the baltimore ravens um They they look tough right now. Um, They have another – they have a whole new aspect to their offense. It's not just two, three tight ends on the field, power run game, throw the ball to Mark Andrews. Lamar has developed in a way where he's spreading the ball around the field, getting the ball downfield vertically – Using these receivers, Zay Flowers was a great pick for them this year. They're really showing him off. I mean, Dobbins goes down again. It doesn't even matter. They got three running backs. They had 300 yards rushing this past week. And then we talk about them now adding that that aspect of that passing game, that vertical passing game. And if you don't think that Lamar Jackson has developed into an elite passer, in the NFL, then that says more about you than it does about Lamar Jackson, to be honest, um, the way he looks this year. it's I think he looks better right now than he did his MVP year, and that's just because MVP year, it was, it was a lot of that run game, a lot of that RPO. Um, they did hit shots downfield like Hollywood Brown, but it, it just felt like it was because he was wide open. There wasn't any uh, him just like dicing up defenses. You didn't see it like you do now. And they still have that power run game if they need it. The reason why the Ravens are so scary to me is because I feel like they can beat you no matter how the game goes. If you want to get muddy and you want to get in in, in the mud, uh, in the muck, you know, play power football. You want to play hard-nosed football with the Ravens. I don't think you want to do that with that defense and the way they're looking right now. Kyle Van Noy, who they signed off the street, is balling right now. Uh, it's like that guy <laughs> – He's 32 now, but he's out there. Just Nobody signed the guy, and he just shows up, and he's dominating and, and winning games for the Ravens. You're helping them. Team just looks so good every phase of the game right now. Um, Tyra, who's your scariest team?
1: Uh, I'd have to agree with you. Um, it's, the, it's the Ravens for sure, for me at least. Uh, but I guess for the sake of the segment, if I had to pick another team other than the Ravens, um, at, you know, like you said, at their best, it have to be the 49ers. I know that the, you know, Brock Purdy had a couple, you know, weeks where he struggled a little bit, but when they're fully healthy and they're at their best, there's just no better roster in the NFL and Brock Purdy showed that he can play. Yeah. He had a few bad weeks in a row, but he can play. Um, the Niners are going to be fine too, but I agree with you though, the Ravens. And then aside from that, if I had to pick Niners.
0: Yeah, and another question I got is from another one of my TC3 boys, Vic Jacobson, um, and he wanted to know, why is Lamar so good against the NFC? Lamar is now 18-1 to in his career against the NFC. Mm-hmm. And to me, it, it's because there's so much in defense that goes with scheming and familiar, uh, being familiar with opposing offenses. And by only playing – NFC teams only playing Lamar every four years, you don't get that uh, – you don't get familiar with him. I feel like the worst that we see Lamar, the worst version of him, is against that AFC North where those teams know him so well. And, and it's all – like we see we see what the Broncos did to Mahomes both times he played him this year. And it's just like some of those matchups where you're playing a teams a lot um, and they get used to guys – that it, you, you're not allowed to do that in the NFC. You're only playing the dude every four years and, and then possibly in the Super Bowl. So it's like if the Ravens get to the Super Bowl, whew, they yeah. just continue to route NFC teams. Um, but I do want to say if I had to have a second, it would be a team that's in their division, and that's the Bengals. With the way the Bengals look right now, how, how healthy Joe B looks, um, Joe Seisty, He's He looked phenomenal on Sunday night. Mixon looks good. Mixon looks better this year than he than he has. Um, uh, he did last year. And, like, T. Higgins, the emergence of him on Sunday night, to see that from T. Higgins, it's like if they could get him and Chase both going in the same game and now you finally get the ball to your tight ends, like Irv Smith could be a weapon for them too. Tyler Boyd still got it. And on top of everything, it's like they don't have to score a ton of points because they have a really good defense, and that pass rush can get at you. So, to me, it's between those two teams, Ravens-Bengals, but um, i have to say the Ravens are the scariest team in the league right now. Next question is from our boy Todd Albrecht. Todd. Todd, How you doing? Todd. Todd, 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 Todd. Todd wants to know who is the team that won't be close to the playoffs – But will run, excuse me, will ruin, or have the potential to ruin um, teams in the hunt, like ruin their Mm -hmm. season. Good question. Um, It is a good question. Right now, we're going into week ten, so it's tough. It's tough to for me to be like, okay, this team's going to be out of it, so they're going to play the role of a spoiler because there's still time for you know teams to make a run now. Um, But thinking about it off the top of my head I would have to say the Tennessee Titans who now are 3 and 5 and they're actually they're just sitting at the bottom lonely at the bottom of the AFC South I would have yeah. to say the Titans because now you got Mike Vrabel who there's not many teams that go against the Titans and have a coaching advantage against the Titans because I, that's how good of a coach Mike Vrabel is he's always going to have that defense plan if they can get Derrick Henry going with Spears, I feel like they need to use Spears more. And but on top of all that, like Ryan Tannehill's gone. We're not we're not thinking about the Titans with all right, well we have to we have to handicap this team um because of their quarterback. Yeah. I feel like Will Levis has shown so much these last two weeks that you just don't see from rookie quarterbacks, especially rookie quarterbacks that are going into like their first start in the middle of the season. Like he's just thrown into the fire in the middle of the season. Yeah. And uh, I know they lost to Pittsburgh on Thursday night, but I just feel like when you watch him and you see the throws that he makes and you see that live arm, and on top of that, like you see the competitiveness in him, that's something you don't get with Tannehill. And I feel like the the Titans, he's going to have his growing pains because he's a rookie quarterback and their old line stinks. Yeah. Um, so he's gonna he's gonna have his growing pains for sure. Um, but. Even if the Titans don't get into the playoffs, I could see them being a handful for teams. And not to mention, they've only played one division game so far. So I'm sitting here saying they might be a spoiler, but realistically they could be on top of that division You know, in, in eight weeks. Could be. They still have two games against the Jags. They still have uh, two games against Houston, and they still have one game against Indy. Now I'm not saying they're going to, um, the Jags are clearly the favorite in that division yeah. but I'm just saying like it's all in front of them for that team. Tyler, who's that team for you?
1: God that's such a you know it's such a good question a question from Todd um and you know I, I pulled up the standings again just to get my facts straight but there's in the AFC alone, there's three, six, 11, 14 teams right Am I doing my math right out of the 16. There's, or maybe it's 13, 13 teams out of the 16 that have at least four wins on the year. So 13 out of the 16 teams, even the Raiders,
0: even they the just Raiders, fired their coach, they're
1: four and five, you know, that AFC North is crazy right now. The, it, the Bengals Brown Steelers are all five and three, and then the Ravens are at the top seven and two. So it's like, it could be any one of those AFC North teams. They're all good. It could be the Steelers Browns or Bengals. One of the, I do. I I do think the Bengals are going to get in though they're going to I think it's going to be them and the Ravens out of that division. Um, and then you look at, I I think the one that kind of, if I had to pick one, I think it would be the Chargers. I think the Chargers can be that team that can can play spoiler just because of their offense.
0: I don't think that's fair though because they're what? calling them a spoiler is just means they're not reaching their expectations once again.
1: Yeah, but yeah, that's that's you a fair what I mean? point. Yeah
0: like I feel like that's 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 not a season that they're going to be happy with probably gets brand staley fired. Yeah. But that's a point the point you make with the AFC. It's like we're thinking about that. i um, in my head it's Tennessee's only got 3 wins and I just mm. talked about them and their capability or potential. Yeah. And then Denver, Denver who I feel like will get better with Sean Payton whether I don't know. Who knows with Denver honestly? And then who's the other team? Oh, New England. Yeah. New England is I mean the Patriots are the worst team in the AFC. Yeah. Isn't that crazy to like think about in a sentence? It it is.
1: It is an I, I, so Todd's question was a team that's nowhere near the in the picture, right? It was like not in the picture whatsoever.
0: Right, just a team you didn't expect.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so in the AFC you only have your choice of three cuz everybody else is in the race. <laughs> so
0: yeah, but, yeah, it's tough. It's yeah, AFC's yeah. tough. NFC NFC uh I feel like
1: the the, the NFC, yeah, I'm looking at the teams of who could play spoiler to me. Um, Probably the Rams. And, you know, if if Stafford is healthy and he's playing, I feel like the Rams can be that spoiler team because on any given week, Stafford comes in with a healthy cup. Puka, they got the run game going. Like, I probably have to go with the Rams on
0: that one. Did you see who we signed today? You no. Know. Sorry. <laughs> uh we signed Carson Wentz today. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> no, yeah. they didn't. They did. I'm convinced McVeigh just loves now that we're not gonna go to the playoffs, he just loves like these projects. Like Baker Baker Mayfield last year. Hey, let me see what I could do with this guy. And he's thinking that with Wentz now. Maybe it gets Wentz another job next year starting gig, like he did for Baker. That's funny. Good for Sean McVay, though. <laughs> it is funny. All right. <laughs> Third and final question. Tyra, it's from your cousin. No. Matthew Mattis. Bills fanatic. Maybe cuz? He wants to know. He wants to know. Was that a intentional grounding in that Bills Bengals game Sunday night? Um, And that's when Josh Allen got called for grounding. He got pretty pissed about it. Obviously Mm -hmm. they ended up losing field goal because of that. They lost three points on that drive to me by the letter of the law, it's grounding, but the refs, in the NFL and professional sports period, just need to have like common sense. Mm -hmm. It's clearly an option route. Yeah. Like how how often is he going to, it's not like he was trying to like escape a sack. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like trying to get rid of the ball. It was clearly an option route where he could set his feet and he just throws it 20 yards over the guy's head. And yes, by, by letter of the law (laughs) officials, great job. He made the right call. But it's like, is that really what we're doing? Like, is that really what we're doing, NFL? No. I, we're just going to, like, not have any common sense.
1: Right. So I I agree completely with you. I And I said the same thing when I was watching the game with him. I don't I don't agree that that should have been grounding. I mean, I don't even know if he got hit on the play. I know. I, I'm pretty sure they blitzed. The no, Bengals blitzed. He did. He was, and that, obviously Allen saw yeah. it and thought that his receiver was going to run down the field, so he threw it downfield. Sorry, go ahead.
0: No, you. Yeah,
1: so I, I mean, I don't – yeah, I just don't think that it was grounded. I, I disagree with the call, but like you said, by the letter of the law, like, yeah, technically it's grounded, but the refs need to just come – like, that's why you come together, right? You throw the flag, you come together, you huddle up, you talk it over – Everybody gives their quick opinion. I feel like someone should have been like, yeah, I really don't think that he was trying to throw that ball away. I think he thought his receiver was running deep. Kind of seemed like an option route. Um, but they clearly did not do that.
0: Yeah, it's like that's why you come together and you huddle, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, just to try and talk it over, things like that. But it's – shit's wild to me. On top of that, there were two calls. I I got my notes over here. We're about to get through these gimes. But – there were two calls this uh, past weekend that were just – Commanders got called for roughing the passer on a sack in that Commanders-Patriots game where I, I don't remember who it was. It's my bad. But he's just running up behind Mac Jones, and he's just literally textbook. You've seen the sack like a million times in football. He's just running up behind him, wraps him up, falls on him, just like that. Like you see that all the time in football. There's there was nothing. He wasn't like holding his weight down on him or mm-hmm. anything. It wasn't hitting the in the neck or the head. It was like a textbook sack and they called rough in the passer for that. So that was one call I noted. I was just like, what the fuck did what is going on? And then the second one of the day was in that Colts Panthers game where uh Panthers D back hit Michael Pittman on a route across the field. It was just it was a beautiful football play from a defensive back breaking up pass. I think it was a third down too, third and long. Just made a great play on the ball, lowered his shoulder and hit him in the target zone or what you think is the target zone in football. Right? Like mm-hmm. that's, this is what they're saying. This is what they're preaching. This is where you can hit these guys. Okay. Well call it like that. Stop making these guys have to hit dudes in the knee and, and end their seasons. Right. Like let these guys play football out there. And it's like, that goes from a punt to that team gaining 15 yards and getting an automatic first down. Mm-hmm. That's so ridiculous. That changes so many games. Like, putting that kind of control in officials' hands. That's, that's why gamblers get so pissed off. Because it's like, obviously, that's a clean football play. And now that team's getting 15 yards and a first down, and they get to continue their drive. And how many times do we see it where there's a call like that and that team goes down the field and scores? Yeah. It's old to me.
1: Yeah, and, and my thing with it too is like on that play, because I remember I got hype on the hit. I love I love seeing those hits because we don't get them very often anymore. So I get pretty hype when I see them. And I was pretty excited about it, saw the call. And, and in my opinion, it's like, okay, what's the alternative for the defender? Right, He's in the right spot to make the play. But he clearly just didn't get there soon enough to make a play on the ball. So if the defender cannot make a play on the ball, is he supposed to just let the receiver run right into him, and now he takes the blunt of the hit? Or is he supposed to wait until they catch it, take two steps, and then try to wrap him up? And from there, you could miss the tackle, and now he runs 60 yards for a touchdown. So they're putting – these D backs and sometimes linebackers, just defensive players in general, they're making it so hard for them to make a play on the ball um, or rather the receiver. It just uh, it's unfortunate. And I hope that they continue to work on that. Cause obviously they have these conversations every off season. So I'm hoping that they talk that over again, this off season, be a little more lenient, just like you said, let these boys play some football.
0: For real. Speaking of football, Let's get in. Let's get into this week nine slate. How about it? Oh my! Start God. off with our game in Germany. Kansas City Chiefs, Miami Dolphins. Chiefs win 21-14 over there. Takeaways from this game: Chiefs defense explanation points. They hold Tua to hundred and nineteen or excuse me, one hundred and ninety two yards passing. That. McDuffie play stripping Tyreek and then Mike Edwards picking it up and pitching it for a touchdown right before half to make it 21 zip at half that's the play of the game in my eyes that's the difference in the game the score ends up 21 14 mm-hmm. play like that was huge for them they held Miami to 117 yards rushing as a team which yeah it sounds good but for Miami like that's They've been killing teams on the ground, killing teams on the ground. Hold them to 117, hold two to 192. Um, And the biggest thing I put down is there wasn't – you didn't see those explosive plays. Those explosive plays that the Dolphins are constantly getting against defenses to win games, the Chiefs were putting them in check. Um, So credit to that defense. To go over the game a little bit more, Uh, Cedric Wilson touchdown, made it 21-7. Then there was a third-and-20 sack fumble where the Dolphins got it in Kansas City territory. Um, On third-and-long, they got a personal foul call from Chris Jones that got him a first down. Um, And then the next play, Mostert scores a touchdown, make it 21-14. And then going down to the wire, I thought both defenses stepped up. I thought Miami's defense – really stepped up um that's a team we've been talking about where you see those pieces on defense we just want to see them come together as a unit and get used to that vic fangio system and i thought i think that they're they are improving Mm -hmm. i think they're only going to get better we know what their offense is we know what their offense is capable of i'm not by any means like sleeping on the dolphins there are two uh, thro- uh, missed throwaway late in that game on that last drive uh Cedric Wilson he had him for a touchdown over what was there was there was some miscommunication I believe it had to be it, I don't think he misses the throw that bad without miscommunication but who knows I mean other than that just to continue talking about the dolphins a little bit it's like we see this image that the media is portraying of Miami. And then the narrative now is Miami can't beat any good teams, Miami's frauds. Da-da-da-da. I just think that's complete bullshit. Because I give you, I give you that argument in some cases where you can tell like a team is just barely getting by and, and you just don't really see it. And you look at their schedule and it's like, well, they haven't beaten any good teams. Um but there's just really nothing to them. Yeah, I I agree. We do see that. But we also see what this Miami Dolphins offense is capable of. And I'm I'm sorry. The amount of speed on that field. And by the way, A-Chan isn't even back. Like, they're still going to have A-Chan back for a playoff push. Like, y'all are sleeping on the Dolphins right now. Because... I see that. I see with my own two eyes when I watch that team. I see what, what they can do to a defense. There's nobody like them uh, when it comes to that. So don't tell me that they haven't beaten any good teams. It's just the way the cookie crumbles sometimes. And I don't take anything from that. I thought they played the Chiefs really good in this game. Um, like I said, that one play, that fumbled before half, that was the play of the game. To go to the Chiefs point, that defense, I keep talking about that defense, how I think that they're a better team than they were last year when they won a Super Bowl, because that defense is looks like a top five defense right now. And like that's the truth. And they don't even have their leader, Nick Bolton, in there right now. And they held Miami's offense in check without him. So you get that kind of production from your defense. And then you're telling me you have Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. And Pacheco with Andy Reid calling the plays for that offense. That offense who doesn't have to score 40 points to beat you anymore because they have that defense. The The Chiefs, I talked about scary teams. And, yeah, I talked about the Ravens and I talked about the Bengals. But that's just all based off potential. And when it comes to the Chiefs, we know that they're capable of doing it. We know they're capable of going on that playoff run. We know Mahomes. I mean, it's nice to imagine Lamar playing like that, you know, late in the postseason. Who knows? Maybe he does. I hope he does. But we know Patrick Mahomes can. So I don't – I'm not slandering the Miami Dolphins for, for losing to that Chiefs team. What are your thoughts on this game? Same
1: same thoughts that you have. Um, the Chiefs are – one of the best in the league. That defense is carrying them. Um, while the offense still tries to figure it out. I thought that the Dolphins defense in the second half finally kind of impressed us for maybe the first time this year as a as a unit. I did they hold the Chiefs to zero in the second half or there was it three? I can't remember, but either way. They yeah, played
0: zero. they played great in the second half where for the, they held the Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. They held held that Chiefs offense 14 points because you had the defensive touchdown. Yeah. So
1: for those of us who took the Dolphins at plus two, um, you know, where that play that Pat talked about at at the end of the first half, where where that one play away from the Dolphins possibly even winning the game, they were going to go – they were cruising down the field. They were getting what they wanted for pretty much the first time that game on that drive. And they were starting to get some chunk plays. And then Trent McDuffie just made a great play and stripped it right out. And then that's just a crazy play. You you don't see that shit very often. So, I mean, that was cool to watch. But, um, yeah, and then on that final drive, I think the consensus on that throw to Cedric Wilson from Tua was that the ball slipped out of his hand. I think that's mm. what the consensus is because there's no – other than that, right, it has to be miscommunication. There's no way that Tua throws the ball that poorly. Uh, And he was open. He was wide open. And then on that final play, when you watch it, they bring that all-out blitz, and Tua takes his eye off the snap. I mean, it was a very catchable snap. It wasn't the center's fault. That was just on Tua. Um, And then he had Waddle. I'm pretty sure it was Waddle going across the middle of the field with a one-on-one, and he was very open as well. So that could have been a huge play if if Tua just catches the snap and sees that. But shoulda, coulda, woulda. Congrats to the Chiefs. Um, but I did like what I saw from the Dolphins' defense for the first time, so that was encouraging.
0: Yeah, Spags sent the absolute house at Tua on that play. I, I mean, it was like – Tua was probably like just like a deer in headlights before that snap <laughs> came, and his eyes were definitely not on that ball when it was getting snapped to him. But moving on, let's get to the Houston Texans defeating – The Tampa Bay Bucks, 39-37. What an absolute pleasure it was to watch this football game. C.J. Stroud from the Ohio State University absolutely set the world on fire Sunday. Winds up with 470 passing yards. Five touchdowns, no picks, NFL rookie record, unbelievable. By the way, I do want to give a shout out right quick. Houston Texans, four and four right now, playing exciting football. Uh, the only Houston Texans fan that I ever met in my life was my boy, Danzel Atkins from the Army, and he recently passed away. So rest in peace, brother. I know you're looking down and you appreciate that play. You appreciate those boys, the way they're looking. And CJ Stroud right now is scary. D'Amico Rines has got those boys flying around on defense. Baker Mayfield lit them up, I tell you that. But they're (laughs) playing with some fire. Mm That team is just so inspired right now, and it's thanks to Shroud and D'Amico Ryan's. Um, going through this game a little bit more, I thought the Bucks' offense looked really sharp. Team that we were shitting on last week for how their offenses looked. White got a couple of touchdowns in this game. How about your boy Noah Brown? Yeah, uh, former Cowboy, former yeah. Buckeye. Absolutely lit it up for the Texans. Got a 75-yard tuddy in there. This game just was so crazy. Texans kicker Fairburn gets hurt, so they have to put in their backup running back, um, Agumbalale. Mm-hmm. And he's out there kicking 30-yard field goals to take the lead late in the game, and he nails it. This game was just absolutely absurd. Baker threw a great ball late in that game to Mike Evans. I thought it was awesome to see that that play from Baker Mayfield, and it was just it felt like it felt like an old school, like not even old, but Big Twelve shootout. Like that's what it felt like on Sunday watching these two teams. It felt like Baker Baker was back at Oklahoma, and they were playing Ohio State and CJ Stroud, and these teams were just going back and forth, back and forth. I thought it was really exciting football. What are you taking away from this one? Um, the takeaway I had from this game is
1: that it was an awful week of betting for me it I could not have had more bad beats this week fellas I mean it was just tough watching every game coming down the wire and I'll just there's a few games that made me sick this was one of them I took the Texans at minus two and a half and of course they win by two um so on that final um you know, the final drive that they've scored the touchdown. I'm like, okay, they got to go for two here, obviously. And you know what's so funny before I get into that? my Matt Mattis, my cousin, baby cuz Matt Maddie, he asked me out of nowhere earlier in the day, hey, if you were up by two points with, you know, X amount of time, he always throws out these crazy scenarios. He's like, if you were the team that just scored, would you go for two would you kick the extra point or would you knee it? And I was like, um, I guess for the sake of argument, I would go for two and uh, just tell the running back to cover up. I'm not going to throw it, just either QB sneak it or go for two. I mean, at that point you're risking the, you know, you're you're taking the risk that there could be a missed, uh, a mishandled snap or an exchange. And the defense could theoretically pick it up and run a hundred yards to get two points and tie the game up. I was like, the odds are so crazy. I was like, but I, I probably wouldn't take the knee. So what does the Houston Texans do on that final two-point conversion? They take a fucking knee on the two-point conversion. And Matt was like, see, see, I told you, I told you I'd take the knee. I'm like, And I'm already pissed. I'm like, Matt, shut the fuck up, dude. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> So it's just crazy, and then leading, the worst timing, right? And then leading up to that, you know, it was crazy that the Bucks even scored because you know you hit, Baker had that great throw, and then I forget who was running, but they fumbled the ball, and the Texans literally had it in their hand, and then Mike Evans hits the guy, and then it falls out of his hands, and then Mike Evans picks it up, and I'm like, I can't catch a break, I can't catch a break. And then, <laughs> It is just like the whole thing. I, I, yeah, I just, and then obviously they score. Then the Texans went down, scored and needed on the two point conversion. So I missed that by a point. Of course, if the Texans have a kicker, I probably, we we probably win the bet for all of us who took them at minus two and a half. We probably win that bet. Um, But other than that, I think, fucking aside from my shitty luck, um, we have to be excited for the Texans' future for once, right? With CJ Stroud. I've never been high on Ohio State quarterbacks. I've made that clear. But when I watch C.J. Stroud, he just looks good. He looks the part. He looks like a number two overall pick. Uh, everything they have going on, shout out to my boy Nico Collins. Um, I like a lot of what they're doing, even missing Damian. Tank Dell. Tank Dell, yeah, Tank Dell. What What college is he from, Mark? That's even a good you know, question. I know he did. He's from Florida. I know that somewhere in Florida. Yeah, I'd like to look that up. But he's he's been great, even with some injuries that he had earlier in the year. He's been great for them. Um, excuse me. So Dalton Schultz, my boy. Uh, which it's going to be interesting to see what they do with that with Dalton Schultz because he is on that one year deal. So it'll be interesting to see what they decide to do. They should resign him, but. You know, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see what they do. Um, But yeah, even without Damian Pierce, they didn't have much of a running game, obviously. Um, And I know nothing. Yeah, like I had to. That's why I had to make that trade in fantasy. I was like, I'm not starting Devin Singletary. I just can't. But either way, um, that was a great game. And for for all of you who um, had some unfortunate luck this week with your bets, just remember we all hop right back on the train. We have a down week. We get right the fuck back up and we keep betting. You keep betting. You take the percentages and you keep
0: betting. Go Cowboys. All right. Moving on to what had to be the second. I mean, that game and this game were everything that one o'clock slate. And it's, that Minnesota Vikings Atlanta Falcons game, thirty-one twenty-eight. This game ruined my parlay. It ruined my. Day. I know Tyler lost too. We each had Atlanta in this one. How can you predict Josh Dobbs going into that game? If Josh, if we know Josh Dobbs is playing, we likely don't make that bet. But it is what it is. That's that's the beauty of it, as they say. Talking about this game, Jaron Hall, who started for Minnesota, I thought he looked comfortable in there. Um, it was 3-3 early in the game, but pretty early in the game. He's out of the game. And here comes Josh Dobbs. Right away, takes the safety. And it's 5-3. And you might be thinking, like, this guy has no chance out there. Like, he just signed with this team a couple days ago. Doesn't know anybody. Doesn't know the offense. Nothing. And, like, how is does this do? And we kept talking about how good that Atlanta defense has been playing. But, boy, did it got get out of hand for that Atlanta defense because Josh Dobbs started to unleash. And something needs to be said about Josh Dobbs. This is the third time, third time in the last two years that he's done this where he's signed with a team and he's just thrown into the fire, like, all right, dude. You're the starting quarterback. Go get him. And this is the third time he did it with Tennessee last year, and he had to play that big Thursday night game in Jacksonville that essentially decided the division. He's starting that game for the Titans out of nowhere, after not knowing anything. And I thought he looked pretty decent in that. Um, he didn't he beat the Cowboys last year with with Tennessee. Uh, that's a good question. That's a good. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he did. Pretty sure he did. I'll look it up. But moving on, this year, signs with the Cardinals right before, signs with Arizona right before the season starts with Kyler Murray's hurt. And you, it's a team that you think is tanking. And right away, you see that that offense was competing week in, week out. And I thought Dobbs, given the circumstances on that team, really showed something. And that's why Minnesota, when Cousins goes down last week's, like, yeah, we'll take that guy for, I think it was a fifth-round pick. And immediately, he's thrown into the fire. First Sunday with the team, and he ends up, like, there's like a street baller aspect to Josh Dobbs where there's guys that you could just kind of throw out there into the fire, and they're going to find ways to beat you. They're going to find ways, using his legs, doing what he has to do, and it's like some of these quarterbacks in the league need like everything perfect to be around everything uh, perfect to be around them. And it's like, they need to have a clean pocket. They need to have this. They need to have a uh, good protection. Da, 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 da. If something breaks down, they're fucked. Josh Dobbs. I feel like thrives in chaos. That's when he's at his best is when things are just thrown at him out of control. Like the dude's, an astronaut. So it's like this shit's just getting, and he's processing it all. And he's like, everything's on the fly and he's doing what he has to do. And ultimately he breaks our hearts in the end. Yeah. Scores a touchdown, beat Atlanta. Um, By the way, Nikhil Harry is on the Minnesota Vikings. Did not know that, (laughs) but I saw that and I had to write it down. Heineke who we've been praising did throw a bad pick late in that game. Then he led them down the field to take the lead, 28-24. And ultimately, Josh Dobbs gets a fourth and long scramble to put them inside the 20, throws the game-winning touchdown to Brandon Powell. And you and I are just shook. Parlays dead. Uh, Big Juicy Bet was dead. I know we were hurting after this one. I was absolutely sick. I was
1: fucking sick. With that going on, and then the Texans game going on all at the same time dude i was i needed a bucket dude i was about to throw up it was um just so crazy they had him they had him fourth down play to end the game fucking who i it might have been bud dupree had him in reach missed the tack missed the sack Josh Dobbs runs 20, 30 yards for a first down, and then the rest is history. So that was just crazy, just crazy. It was a game that, once again, it was just unpredictable, absolutely unpredictable. No ways. Even if you told me Josh Dobbs was starting that game, I'm still taking the Falcons, and I'm still betting big on them. I'm thinking to myself, how could someone possibly learn the playbook – that quick and go against a good defense with limited reps with the first team offense and keep a game to three points. Like I, you could have told, like I said, you could have told me just Dobbs was starting. I still would have bet Atlanta. Um, So it's just crazy. One of the things I took away though uh, from Atlanta, I don't know what the, kind of ideology is behind rushes for Bijan, but I really would like to see them get him more involved in the run game. I get that they like Algier and I think he's good too, but like I want to see Bijan get more involved. And that fumble he had though was like the real turning point. Cause I think Atlanta was already up seven or more at that point. They're driving down the field. Bijan fumbles that with the chance to get more. And then, Minnesota turns that right into points. So that was the momentum shift that they needed and and they got. The other thing is that Taylor Heineke um I he I kept putting my head in my hands because some of the throws he was making, I was just like, bro, reel it in. Reel it in. He just was gunning it. Fifteen yards or these guys kind of he is, he's a gunslinger. I still take him over Desmond Ritter, don't get me wrong. Um, oh, yeah, we're
0: not going back from that. Yeah,
1: we're not going back to that, no. So I I liked what I saw from the most part from Heineke. Obviously, he made a few mistakes. It's kind of prone to making a few mistakes throughout the game. It's just for him, it's about limiting those, and I thought he did okay. But just a crazy, unpredictable game that I would still take the Falcons in that one 10 out of 10, but we caught a bad beat in that one, boys. So we'll eat that. We'll take that on the chin and move on. It's-
0: Yeah, especially if you knew that, like, Dobbs doesn't know any of the plays. Kevin O'Connell has to tell him in his helmet before every play, hey, this is what this guy's doing. That's what that guy's doing. This is what the plan is. This is what your keys are on this play. And then him to process that while the play clock's going. Unbelievable, dude. And then take the snap and still be that effective. And like, yeah, a lot of it was with his legs, but it's just him making shit happen. After that Bijan fumble, he he had that 23 yard touchdown run. And then he had an unreal throw on that two-point conversion. Yeah. That put it at 21-21. Great throw. It's like you see this shit. Like if you're one of those teams who's like you're one of those mid teams and you're like, uh, our quarterback, I don't know if he's I don't know if he's really the guy. He, you know, we've seen ups, we've seen downs. You see Josh Dobbs, who's been thrown away by the league, by multiple teams, go into that situation and pull that off. Just make things happen, mm-hmm. like make it happen. Yeah, you see that from from Josh Dobbs, and you're like, holy shit! They're pay- like he's getting paid that, and I'm paying this guy this much money who can't win me football games, unless everything's perfect around him.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like that's something to note. And I'll throw CJ Stroud in that same category because he was he got thrown onto a bad team this year as a rookie. The team with the second overall pick. And see what he's doing. So yeah, it's something to think about. But moving on to a game I don't want to talk too much about. Rams, Packers, 23 Green Bay. And there's no need to really talk. It was like the whole game, it was Brett Rippon, who doesn't deserve to take a snap in an NFL game, just shitting the bed for the Rams, not giving them any hope on offense. Defense was doing the best they could. They were holding on for as long as they could, uh, given the circumstances, because Rippon was bad. I wrote down at one point, I feel like I'm watching Jeff Fisher's Rams again because it felt like that when I was on the couch watching that game that I was thrown back into, like, 2012 where our offenses were just pathetic. And obviously, it's before the days of McVeigh, so I've been spoiled over the last few years. But it's like even, even McVeigh couldn't save Brett Rippon out there with things that he was doing. He ends up just botching a snap late in the game that killed them. Uh, we missed a field goal. I don't – Aaron Donald looked good, so that was yeah, a plus. he did. Um, I don't think – Jordan Love did anything spectacular to win that game. It was all the Packers defense just stopping a horrible offense. There's really not nothing more to take away from that. I'm not overreacting. I'm not, like, pumped up pumping up the Packers at all. I did think they did a good job of finally getting Aaron Jones involved. Mm-hmm. This was his best game, I think, since the first game of the season for them. So that was good to see from them. But other than that, this game was just a rough, rough watch. Um and hopefully Stafford is going to play coming off the bye because I can't watch Brett Rippon, and I really, really do not want to watch Carson Wentz out there for my Rams. So, Yeah, I
1: mean, I think that Carson Wentz would just at, at least provide a little bit more hope than
0: Brent, Brett Rippon at
1: this point. And that's the whole reason why they signed him. They clearly do not want Rippon to take another uh, another snap, so – Insert Carson Wentz if uh, if Stafford can't get healthy enough through the bye week. Um, but I did actually want to say I, I did look that game up. Dobbs did not beat the Cowboys last year, but they did make it close. It was 17-13 late in the third quarter. So or Actually, after the third quarter, so entering the fourth, it was 17-13. So he didn't make it close, but he beat the Cowboys this year, so fuck them. Um, yeah, that game, I took the Rams at plus three and a half. I was betting that. I was betting on McVay. I was betting on McVay that he could come up with a scheme to keep it close. Uh, But like you said, uh, there's only so much McVay could do. Uh, Rippon was just bad and the Packers didn't do anything crazy. They just had to take advantage of one of the 20 opportunities they got on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, And I'm glad they got Aaron Jones more involved because that's what that offense needs. But Jordan Love still didn't look good to me, and that's something that you know maybe growing pains for Green Bay. But yeah, great time for the Rams to have a bye week, get Stafford healthy, and then we can get back on uh, betting on the Rams.
0: Yeah, play that spoiler. Mm-hmm. I don't think I don't see I don't see McVeigh tanking. So no, best case scenario, we play that spoiler. Exactly. Oh, wait. Moving on to,
1: sorry, yeah. sorry. I just wanted to say, uh, to your point about tanking. Big shout out to Minnesota for making that trade for Dobbs because they could have easily mailed in the season once Kirk Cousins went down because Jefferson was already hurt, so they could have easily decided to, to mail it in. And but instead, they trade for Dobbs because they know that kid's a little. He's got a little dog in him.
0: So shout out to that. Yeah, great point. Chicago Bears, New Orleans Saints. Saints pull it off 24-17. I don't have too much on this game other than score got to be 14-7 Bears. Cole Komet had just scored his second touchdown of the game. And I wrote down, Tyler, I think I'm starting to fall for uh, Tyson Badget, agent. <laughs> I think you I'm are. starting to fall for him. I think you I, are. I, I really am. I, I texted Todd uh, our, our bears guy about it. And I was like, man, there's something about this kid. I'm, I really like it. I really, I just think he's fearless out there. He, he, he feels like he belongs out there. Um, he responded yeah, he's got that moxie and that that's the perfect term for it. He's out there. He's got that moxie. He may not be able to make every throw on the field that he thinks he can make, but I like that. I like that confidence out of a young quarterback. I'd rather have that than coaches have to baby these guys out there and be like, all right, if your first read's not there, here's your second read, or here's your check down, or all right, we're going to set you up you know, in these short dump-offs. Here's your screens. Um, we're going to you know, limit to you like 15 passes a game. I hate that for young quarterbacks because you're not developing them and it's like quarterbacks are so good now coming out of coming out of high school with these camps and then going into college we see all these great college quarterbacks like if your guy is not doing it in the NFL would we'll just let him go mm-hmm. let him go and let him be himself and if he's not that guy he's not that guy move on to the next one like that it's that like we don't have to pay these guys who are just mediocre because there's so there's there's guys out there Um, There's going to continue to be guys that go in. Um, But the downfall of of Tyson Bajit, I'm just going to say it both ways every time. (laughs) Downfall of that is those turnovers. And that's the, you know, a little bit of like that false confidence where he, he thinks he can make every play on the field. Ended up having four turnovers on the game. But it felt like every single time that he was turning it over, the Saints offense just wasn't doing anything with it. So credit to the Bears defense for holding strong. I felt like all game long in the red zone because uh, I that game could have gotten really ugly with the amount of turnovers. And it's like every turnover the Saints are set up and they weren't doing anything with it. Yep. So. I mean, outside of like some Taysom Hill plays down there in the red zone, there wasn't much. They had a touchdown to Olave early. Um, Bailey Group misses another field goal for them, but then he nailed a 55-yarder that made it 17-14. thought it was a big kick for him. I didn't think he was going to make that, to be honest. I thought Deontay Foreman ran pretty well for the Bears. That was good to see from, um, from him. I know they're getting Herbert back. In, I don't know if it's this week. I don't know if it's going to be this week because it is a short week to play on Thursday, but I thought Foreman looked pretty good. Like I said, that Bears defense held their own, stopping them in the red zone. And ultimately, Groupie misses a field goal at the end to ice it after he made that 55-yarder, giving the Bears hope, but then Bears get strip-sacked, fourth turnover of the game, added the game. And – there was another bad
1: beat for your boy, right? We take the Saints minus eight and a half. They have all those turnovers and they do nothing with them. They had a fourth and inches or fourth and one could have kicked the field goal. It would have been a chip shot, like a 30 yarder. They went for it. I don't blame them for going for it, but they just didn't get it. Right. Okay. So that, that was a fail. They get another turnover and They, I believe, had to settle for a field goal. And they got another turnover. And, um, of course, this one's late in the game. Now we just need a field goal to cover. And they get the first down on the – it was a third and whatever. If they didn't get it, they probably would have kicked the field goal. They got it, need the ball to end the game at, like, the 10-yard line. We lose another one. So that was another bit of a bad beat, Uh, but it was uh, encouraging for Agent Bajant, though. I thought that he did look really good in that first half, the second half. A lot of those picks that he threw, though, I don't necessarily think they were bad throws. They were kind of one-on-one, you know, hoping your receiver makes the play, uh, and they just didn't. Uh, The Saints defense is tough, though. They're a top-ten defense, so um, it was encouraging other than obviously the turnovers, if you look at it and you're like, okay, yeah, the agent had five turnovers. You think he had a terrible game, but if you actually watch the game, it wasn't really the case. Uh, Obviously he has to clean that up that they have no shot of winning games. Even if he turns the ball over, it's tough for the bears to win if he doesn't turn the ball over once, let alone five times and they still were within one possession. So, Uh, yeah, I guess that's encouraging for them, but um to your point about the quarterbacks and kind of letting them play, and if the guy's not the guy, you know, you show me the one um, segment where Dan Orlovsky was on a podcast and he was talking about all the quarterbacks in the league, and if you're not in that top twelve, maybe top fifteen, the rest of the quarterbacks in the league, maybe not the third stringers, but we're talking the, the rest of the number one quarterbacks, and then majority of the second string quarterbacks typically have about that same potential and it just comes down to who can limit turnovers and stay more consistent and those are the guys who typically get the starting job so to pat's point if the guy that you go with is not the guy then you're not really losing much going to your second string so it's i don't think it's a huge risk in some of these uh teams cases but Either way, bad beat on that game as well. On to the next one.
0: Yeah, there's so many intangibles that go into playing quarterback. There's so much more to it. Some guys have it. Some guys have that it factor that that ability to command a locker room, command other men, and inspire them and lead them and make all of them better. Some guys have that, and some guys don't. Mm-hmm. And like I said in a previous episode, when I when I ranted. Those are things that don't get measured at the combine. Those are things that don't get measured at the pro day. So that's why we continue to see, you know, so many busts and then so many guys in the late rounds because it's not, it's not all about those things. But getting on Seattle Seahawks, Baltimore Ravens, Ravens win 37 to three. I already talked about the Ravens. how I think they're the scariest team in the NFL right now. So I don't want to, blow their horn too much more. Um, but, yeah, I mean, 300 yards rushing. Lamar now 18-1 and one versus the NFC. Here's a stat for you. The score is 14-0. Gus Edwards uh, just scored a second touchdown of the game. The Ravens have 16 first downs. Seattle has two. <laughs> so that just tells you everything you need to know about how the beginning of that game went um it's 14 nothing and then they get a, a big chunk play to DK Metcalf for 50 yards and I'm like finally finally something and then they have to settle for a field goal so it's 14-3 and then right after that this is the difference in the game to me Odell Beckham fumbles sets Seattle up to potentially score and make it 14-10 sets them up and Seattle's sacked twice it it brings them back And um, they end up not getting anything out of it. So it's like your defense makes a play for you to get you right back into that game and you can't do anything with it. And it's like, it's time for Seattle to remember who Geno Smith is. Like it was, it was cute like that, that Geno Smith the last year, like that run that you made and everything. And, and how he was looking, like, it that was, that was nice. But let's not forget who Geno Smith is. You need to establish that run game and get Geno in play action. Because you got Kenneth Walker, man. Mm-hmm. He's really fucking good. And you can't pass block. Charbonnet. You can't do it. We see it week in and week out. You guys can't pass block. So stop putting the guy in shotgun every single play and dropping him back, you know, and expecting something good to happen because you can. your pass pro is – trash you need to establish that run game and remember who you are as a football team remember who your quarterback is run that ball to set up the pass game you know don't go out there just try and wing it around the field throwing the ball deep every play you know what i mean or or because you don't even have he doesn't even have the time right now Mm -hmm. he really doesn't um kenneth walker had six carries for 17 yards in the first half it's like, I get it. You're down 14-0, and then you're down 14-3. There's still time left in the game. Like, you could still run the ball. This doesn't have to be like, like a, a desperation comeback from you. Like, the game's not out of reach, but they failed to establish it, and it just got kept getting worse and worse for them. That Baltimore Ravens defense was eaten. Um, Keaton Mitchell, rookie back for them, came out of nowhere. Just another running back plug-in for them. Broke a touchdown run. He had a great day. Edwards had a great day. Justice Hill Justice Hill continues to look good. That touchdown run made it thirty to three. And I wrote down Jamal Adams looks washed. <laughs> like I, I I'm seeing more of like Jamal Adams puffing his chest out every time I see the Seattle Seahawks play and talking shit. I'm not seeing like where's Blitz Boy Ben? Yeah. Like the investment they made in that guy. And I feel like he's – first of all, he's always hurt. And now when he's on the field, I'm not seeing that impact player. Last night, I'm seeing Derwin James all over the field making big plays for the Chargers. I'm not seeing that from Jamal Adams anymore. So that's another thing to think about. But essentially, yeah, I think the Ravens are the scariest team in football right now. Yeah, the biggest – or I should say
1: the only time I heard Jamal Adams' name this year – once he started playing because he was hurt to start the year was a ball that was thrown off his helmet that the defense ended up intercepting. So, I mean, like that's the play that is the most memorable for you this season is a ball that the quarterback threw off your helmet, you know, step it up brother. Uh, Other than that, I really expected this game to be a lot closer than it was I I thought this was going to be one of those one of the better games of the week to kind of group in with with like the Eagles Cowboys game, Bills Bengals game, and and you know there was a handful of really good games this weekend. I thought that was going to be one of them, and it wasn't. The Eagles came, or the, excuse me, the Seahawks came out. They flopped. It happens, you know, especially against a team as good as the Ravens, who are as hot as the Ravens. Um, I feel like a dummy for taking Seahawks at plus six. Feel like a big dummy, but um, that they just flopped. And correct me if I'm wrong: is their rookie running back is that Charbonnet? Yeah. Would they spent a second round pick on him, or was it third? It, it was up there, yeah. Oh, and it's like, where's this guy? Right. So you have essentially Walker, who we know is is a really good back. We know he's a stud. And then you spend a high pick, high asset on Charbonnet and you're not even utilizing them. And to the point you made, I don't know why teams, when they're only down 10, 10 to 14 points at the two-possession game, they go into this panic mode where they feel like they have to throw the ball. And it's like, listen, if you're, not, if you're not playing, hurry up, right? If you're just running a pass play, huddling up, letting the play clock go down to six, snapping it again and throwing another pass play, are you really, like, playing with urgency at that point. So do you really need to throw the ball every play? No. Why don't you just run it? Just run the ball. That's your bread and butter. Run the ball. Run play action off of that. And the Seahawks should be able to do whatever they want on offense. But their line is bad so far this year. Um, I thought that they were going to build off of a couple of good – you know, a couple good weeks on offense, and the Ravens fucking punched them right in the mouth. So we'll look for a bounce back week from the Seahawks next week, unless they have a bye. I don't know. But either way, Ravens
0: looked really good. Seahawks did not. Seahawks ended the day with 28 yards rushing against Baltimore's 298. Yikes. And then time of possession was 40 minutes to 20. <laughs> so it was just a complete that's tough debacle.
1: that's tough i bet they're going to have fun watching the tape on that one
0: yeah getting on to another debacle i honestly don't want to spend too much time uh talking about it's just nothing expected or nothing unexpected happened cardinals browns 27 nothing cardinals offense looks rough we knew it was going to look rough with clayton tune in there for them going against that defense in cleveland It was a shit show waiting to happen. Um, At one point in the game, it was 107-9 to in passing yards. Mari Cooper gets a touchdown and Joku gets a touchdown. Browns get a strip sack. I don't know if it ended up being seven punts, but at one point it was seven punts, three turnovers for that Cardinals offense, and the Browns just controlled the entire game. It was – there was – I mean, like I said, nothing unexpected from this game.
1: Yeah, the line – the line started, I think, the week around eight, eight and a half. And then Friday, I was at the Syracuse and Boston College football game. And I'm on my phone um, during a break and I'm looking at the line. And all of a sudden, you know, we just recorded the night before, all of a sudden the line's up to 10 and a half. I'm like, damn, it jumped two points overnight. And then you wait another day and a half and the line's up at like 12 and a half to 13. So at that point, and I told people, I said, you know, watch this line. You know, it might creep – it might continue to creep up by the time Sunday rolls around and, and it's game time, and it, and it did. And then I started to think, I'm like, which, what's the sucker bet here? I feel like Vegas is trying to sucker us into something, and and there really wasn't. It was just that – Tune's that bad. Nobody – nobody, that's the thing. Nobody knew anything about him. There was just too many variables and uncertainties going into that game to make a bet on it. So – it was what it was. Browns D showed that they're good, which we already knew. And the Cardinals stink, which we know.
0: Yeah. It was a little in the dark about, Hey, maybe Kyler Murray is playing. So I think that's why the line was what it was. And then as we get later on, you know, and we're finding out, no, Kyler Murray is definitely not going to play. And that's when you see all the money on the, on the Cleveland Browns. Yeah. I mean, if, Shit! Honestly, the line could have, could have kept going, kept going, and kept going, and I wouldn't have been surprised because <laughs> that was just an absolute beatdown. Yeah. Washington Commanders, New England Patriots. Commanders win twenty to seventeen. I thought the Commanders came to play. Something I talked about last episode. Sometimes when you trade guys, you know and everybody starts to doubt you, like, okay, this team's folding. This team, you know, they're just tanking on their season, and those are two really good players that they gave up. Yeah, but sometimes you see that galvanize a team, really see a team play inspired football, and that's what I saw from the commanders early in that game. They jumped out to 10-0 lead. I thought Sam Hall was absolutely slinging it on Sunday. Um, I thought this game was about to get ugly. And then Brian Robinson fumbles to set New England up. New England gets a Hunter Henry touchdown. And then after that, you see 64-yard touchdown run by Ramondre Stevenson. And boom, just like that, Patriots are up 14-10. And you're like, holy fuck, what just happened? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I thought the commanders were about to rout him. And then that fumble just flipped everything upside down. Uh, Sam Howell threw a in bonehead interception. This is, you know, the ups and downs he's a gunslinger he's going to he's going to sling it he's going to make the throws that he's going to try to make the throws that he thinks he can make but before halftime in the red zone him throwing that pick was i thought it was going to end up being really costly for them mm-hmm. they ended up pulling it off anyways but i thought that was a really bad mistake by him but he made up for it late in that game with an absolute dime to Jahan Dotson that he threw in the end zone just led him perfectly, deep ball, like, and that's what I'm talking about with Sam Howell. Is that's that's an it throw. That's when you're like, oh fuck, this guy's got something. When you see somebody like, when you see somebody make a throw like that, in a spot like that, like that was, that was a point in the game where it, it tied it up, seventeen seventeen for him. And just like that, they're they're right back in it. I just thought, wow, jaw—it was like a jaw-dropping throw. And there was a couple of them from Sunday. I thought that was one of them, and that's what that's what he's uh, capable of. Fourth and two, when the Commanders are about to punt late in that game, New England jumps offsides on a fourth and two, and that's just something you don't see from. Bill Belichick's teams, mm-hmm. but we saw it, it, it costed them. Um, Patriots moved down the field late and then throw a pick. I, I don't know. I thought they could have kicked a field goal it, you know, at one point, it, but they started forcing it down the field and it is what it is. I mean, Mac Jones had a really good game winning drive a few weeks ago against Buffalo. I thought, Hey, maybe again, maybe. And then he ends up ultimately throwing the pick in the end and commanders win.
1: Yeah, for those of us who took the Patriots at minus two and a half, we were really hoping for um, a game-tying field goal and some overtime or a little bit of Mac magic, and we got neither. What, What I did take away from the game is that New England, without Kendrick Bourne, their receivers fucking suck. They cannot catch the ball. I saw a couple really good throws from Mac Jones and they just cannot catch the ball. I don't know what is wrong with them. And some of these throws, and these are like significant plays too. It's not just like a little five yard in or a curl route. That's going to be, you know, a five to eight yard gain. Like these are throws down the field, one-on-ones deep balls that Mac Jones actually drops in the well and makes a really good throw. And these guys just drop it consistently. So, that's what the Patriots need to need to do in the offseason, do they need they need to address that wide receiver core. I think they need to flip the whole core upside down and just keep one guy, and that's Kendrick Bourne. But other than that, yeah, I thought that uh, it was a big win for the commanders to try to stay relevant. Uh they're four and five now. And uh, you know, I didn't I didn't think that they would perform that well defensively after getting rid of their two starting ends. And I thought New England was going to run the ball really well. So when Stevenson had that touchdown, I was pumped. I was like, here we go. That's what they're going to do the rest of the game. Just run it down their throat. They didn't. Commanders win. We lose another one. And, um, you know, on to the next one.
0: Yep. We're going to get to Eagles-Cowboys shortly. We're going to get to Bill's Bengals shortly, but there's a couple games we want to go through quick on that four o'clock slate. Giants Raiders. Whew. Dude. Raiders win 30 to six. Daniel Jones tears his ACL. I thought the Raiders had some juice to them. It was just another thing. We just talked about the commanders, how sometimes you trade some guys and you it really galvanized the locker room. Same thing with firing a coach and, Of course, it's going to be the case when you fired Josh McDaniels, who players have not responded well to um, in his stints as head coach. So you get somebody like Antonio Pierce in there, fiery guy, ex-player, won a Super Bowl, just an absolute dog, great player for the Giants back in the day. You put him in that role, that team was juiced. There was a lot of energy in that game. This was my regret of the week, betting wise, was ended up, ended up taking the Giants plus one and a half, and it was over quick. I it wouldn't have mattered if Daniel Jones was in there or not. He was four for nine for twenty five yards in that game. Missed Jalen Hyatt on two deep balls. Uh, tripped on his own guy for a sack mm-hmm. before, um, Terrence's ACL. I never want to wish an injury on anybody. Obviously. Um, but I, it, it wouldn't have made a difference either way in that game. Tommy DeVito's bad through two bad picks early in that game. Mm-hmm. But I thought he responded well. I thought he honestly – I thought that shit – I thought they were going to get like a 50-burger put on them because of how my instant thought on Tommy DeVito between this week and last week. I thought he hung around in there. But – The winning quarterback, Aiden O'Connell, I thought looked really good. Taking shots, very accurate in that game. First half numbers, he was 9 for 11 for Buck 35. Uh, He finished 16 for 25 with 209. Zero picks, zero sacks. That's what you like to see out of your rookie quarterback. Um, Yeah, he, he only had 16 completions for 209, but he's not hurting his team. And I thought there was some there were some throws that he made in that game that you can get a little excited about. You know, if you're a Raiders fan and you're looking towards the future, maybe he is that guy, who knows. But I think that's a great start for Antonio Pierce and man, it it sucks the Raiders are in the AFC cuz they're not going to have any chance down the down the line. But if that team was in the NFC, they you they'd be fighting for a playoff spot probably till the end. Because I, I think, like, Max Crosby, what he can do to an offense mm-hmm. is he's on that. He doesn't get talked about enough. Like, on that level, we talk about, like, Miles Garrett's. We talk about, like, T.J. Watts, um, Von Miller. Max Crosby doesn't get talked about enough because he has that kind of impact on a game. And then Devontae Adams didn't even – another thing I wrote down is Adams had like one catch. He had one catch for six yards at halftime, and the Raiders were up 24 to nothing. So, I don't know if that tells you more about the Raiders or more about the Giants, but Giants are – they are who we thought they originally were. They had a couple of nice weeks there, but ultimately – Raiders rolled in this one. The Raiders. The Raiders.
1: Ooh, what was the score when Daniel Jones got hurt? Do we remember? Um, I'm not sure. I think it was 14-0. Because I want to mark that that one as non-applicable. Um, if we have an injury earlier enough in the game to a starting quarterback, the – the, the bet the bet voids if you bet on the losing team, <laughs> that bet is voided. Um, to, you're probably right. I mean even if Daniel Jones um, you know unfortunately got hurt, but even if he doesn't get hurt in that game, you know maybe it doesn't make a difference and the Raiders still roll you know kind of steamroll them but I like to think that the Giants would have got it going on offense eventually and but yeah i mean it's just tough you it sucks to see him go down he just got back and he goes down on a simple drop back too. it was a, just a normal routine drop back in the pocket and i don't know if this is going to become a bigger topic across the nfl because i believe it was on turf so i don't know if the turf is going to continue to be a topic or a talking point but um yeah that just sucks so i feel bad um I wish uh, him the best in recovery, but now what, are the, what do the Giants do moving forward? Where do you go from here? Are you sticking with DeVito, or are you going to pull uh, something out of the way? Matt rings? Barkley. Do they have him? Did they sign him?
0: They have Matt Barkley, and I think he might actually be starting. So,
1: Did they go get him this week, or
0: did they – they always had him. He might have been on their practice squad because I know, obviously, there's there's ties with him and Dable from Buffalo. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if he was on their practice squad. They signed him off. it. Honestly, doesn't really matter to me. I think there's – Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, nah, I mean, but, hey, I'm taking him over to Vito. Um, True. So,
1: yeah. No, but that's a – that was obviously interesting. That was a bet I really liked going in. I thought, you know, the Giants were going to be able to mix it and um, over the course of the game. I didn't think the Raiders would be able to to keep up. I thought they'd be, you know, fired up for Pierce, but eventually would, you know, hand the game over to the Giants. But, yeah, it happened the way it happened. So we'll learn our lesson, and we'll do better next week.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Another game where it was just, eh, Indianapolis Colts win 27-13 over the Carolina Panthers. Um, I don't have a ton on this game, Tyler. Panthers offense looked awful early in that game, like Mm -hmm. negative nine yards passing in the second quarter they had. Wow. Colts got bailed out by a personal foul call on Carolina's D-back on the Hit on Michael Pittman. I already talked about that and what I thought about that. um, Jonathan Taylor scored a touchdown. They made it 10-0. And then Kenny Moore. Kenny Moore gets two pick sixes on Bryce Young. I mean, how many times do you see that in a game? That's crazy. Doesn't happen. But Kenny Moore did it. Shout out to him. Other than that, I mean – we knew the Panthers were going to be bad, so I'm not holding – I'm not one of those guys who's like, oh, my God, Carolina regrets. Like, I I love C.J. Stroud, but it's like I'm not sitting here saying that Bryce Young's a bust. Carolina made the wrong move. Like, if you expected Carolina to be – I mean, I, I'll give you their offense I thought was going to look better than what it has, but – they're, they were going to be a bad team. Mm-hmm. We, we knew that. We knew that was coming into this year. I don't think Frank Reich's a good head coach. I don't know if Bryce Young's in the best hands in Carolina. But I do think Bryce Young is is going to have a, uh, a quality NFL career. I really do. Um, I just think the him being the competitor that he is, a big part of that. So – I'm not one of these people that's just going to completely shit on Carolina. Like they are what, what we expected. They were Bryce Young's going to make mistakes and they have to do a better job of helping him out. And uh, it's that, but Colts good for them. Yeah. This was our first win of the day. Colts minus
1: two and a half. So that was, that was the first win of the day um, for me. I, I was surprised that that line was only at two and a half. I wasn't sure what the, The reasoning was, but, um, yeah, the Panthers, do we know what's going on with Miles Sanders? Has he been just benched because he sucks this year, or is he hurt? I don't know. Chuba. But that was the thing going in. We're like, okay, they got Miles Sanders, good back. They go and get Thielen. They got some okay pieces on the offense. Maybe they'll be able to put up. 17 to 20 a game, and then you'd, you'd be lucky if they got 17. Um, yeah, so not much to take away from this one other than the Colts are
0: better than the Panthers. <laughs> so. Yeah. It's that simple. Yeah, Let's dive into a game now. Cowboys-Eagles, 28-23. Philly pulls it off. I have an entire page of notes for this game. Oh. There's just so much about this game. Yeah. Summing it up though, I don't think there's any such thing as like a a moral victory in the NFL. Like I don't really believe in that. Mm-hmm. But I do think it has to feel good for the Cowboys and the Cowboys fans seeing that like I thought Majority of that game, I thought they outplayed Philly. I thought you take a few things that happened late away and they win that game. I thought this is a spot where Dak doesn't always you know, show up and perform in that spotlight, but I thought he was money on Sunday. Like The only negative thing that you could say about the guy was uh, the delay game that they took and then him... Not getting in on on the run and the two point conversion, which we all thought he did at first. So, I thought it was a great game for Dak, but Jalen Hurts is a fucking dog, dude. He took that hit to his knee in that game, and I was I was like worried for the Eagles because I was like, that does not look good. Yeah. Like how he was reacting to that, it just didn't. It didn't look. It didn't look good for them. And then what do you know? You see him go back out on the field, and I'm pretty sure they end up scoring a touchdown on that drive. Um, Either way, like, these were two great teams going at it. I have so many notes. I'm going to try and pick my way through these. I thought McCarthy, who's getting killed, as he always does, and deservingly so sometimes – but I don't see anything wrong with him going for it when he did. Because to me, the Eagles are going to go for it every single time. That's Nick Sirianni. That's the Eagles' mentality. Mm-hmm. They're they're going to go for it on fourth down. I don't even know why they have a kicker on their roster, to be honest. <laughs> but when you're playing a team like that, and oh, by the way, they're – it feels like they're always converting them too. they're always converting those fourth downs. It's so tough to get that team off the field when you're competing against that and you're a head coach. I, I don't blame Mike McCarthy at all for like looking back at it. It's like, yeah, it sucks because two field goals out of those three possessions that you didn't score two field goals and you would have won the game. Yeah, you would have won the game. But, Who's to say that you're gonna make the Eagles go three and out? Like what the Cowboys defense did in the end of that game to keep giving their offense a chance to go back down in the red zone. They forced three three and outs late in that game. That you don't do that to the Eagles, but the Cowboys defense did that. But who's to say that's gonna happen if you know if you're in Mike McCarthy's shoes? So I don't blame him at all for doing what he did. And like I said, they're Dax steps out barely, and then they're getting stopped at like the half yard line. Yeah. with um, the with the throw of the tight end. It was it was that close to being a touchdown. So um other things from this game. Fletcher Cox is still very good. You know Jalen Carter's been banged up, but I thought Fletcher Cox looks he still looks like a problem. Um, he's not gonna be he's probably not gonna be out there for as many snaps a game as he once was obviously but the depth that they have on that D-line, the ability for them to constantly rotate guys in and out, he he has like the freedom to like let it loose when he's on the field. And I thought Fletcher Cox looked really good in that game. Uh, Greg Olson, I thought, made a great point on broadcast. He said in key third uh, – In key third and fourth down situations, Dak is constantly connecting with guys besides C.D. Lamb. And I thought that was another thing that was just very impressive from Dak because it's like we know what you can do with C.D. Lamb. We know what what he's capable of. We know how good of a tandem you guys are, what you can do. But if the defense is focusing on C.D. Lamb, are you able to beat them? spreading the ball around the field to your other guys. And I thought Dak did a great job of that on Sunday. I thought he trusted his guys, guys like Tolbert on critical third, fourth downs, to his tight ends. I think that is big for the growth of the Cowboys offense um, and Dak Prescott. Another thing – A.J. Brown, another touchdown. Feels like he's scoring a touchdown every week. There's not many receivers in the NFL that are better than that guy right now. Um, And then the Cowboys O-line. I thought the Cowboys O-line did a good job overall most of the game. They did much better than I expected them to do. But, you know, that last drive when, you know, it mattered most, that Eagles pass rush took over. Um, ultimately, that sack by Josh Sweat, um, I thought that was that was the game right there that set Dallas back. And honestly, I thought it won the game for the Eagles. And then was that, that sack by Sweat? Um, but yeah, Tyler, Cowboys fan, rough loss. But you know, are you you feeling any kind any kind of positive way after that game? Yeah, I mean. I
1: guess <laughs> it's, yeah, it's a, t- a tough loss. Like you said, there's really no such thing as a moral victory, but the one I pointed out going into the game, Dallas hadn't really made, uh, you know, it was like a statement game, right? We needed to see them make it a game to feel comfortable calling them one of the better teams in the NFC because for the leading into that game, other than the chargers game, which we all know, you know, it were there The Chargers are a few missed Herbert throws that he would normally make away from either tying that up or taking the lead. Aside from that Chargers game, either Dallas got blown out or they blew the team out. And the teams that they blown out were not great teams, so we needed to see them play the Eagles tough. They did that. Um, I do think that they outplayed the Eagles overall. Um, Dak has to get better in the red zone. He has to get better down inside the 10 yard line. And it's not just him. It could be play calling as well. Dallas needs to get the run game going. They can't they can't keep just running Pollard inside the tackles. Like they're not it's it's sometimes frustrating watching how they're using Pollard so far this year because they're using Pollard like they used Zeke last year. And then they're not really using Rico Dowdle much of a support role so i think they need to start giving rico dadle some more touches supplementing and letting pollard be a little more fresh and then use pollard the way that you used him last year they don't they're not throwing the ball to pollard out of the backfield that was a big thing that they did last year maybe that was because it was a kellen moore thing maybe it was kellen moore liked getting the ball out to the back in some space but they haven't been doing that this year i i'd like to see how many receptions pollard has on the season because i guarantee it's not enough you need to get him the ball out in space and let him make a play. He's not—he's not an elite back running between the tackles. He's solid. He's—he's—he runs hard, you know. But you need to get him in space more. I think that's the biggest thing that um, the their offense needs to work on moving forward. They have enough weapons. I loved how they used Ferguson, uh, but yeah, down inside that the ten yard line, they're a couple plays away from from winning the game. Uh, Terrence Steele. Was really their their right tackle was really the reason why um, that offensive line let the pressure. Um, Dak got sacked. I think every sack that game was from Terrence Steele. I think he allowed two or three sacks, and two of them being on that final possession. So Terrence Steele just needs to get better. Hassan Reddick just blew by him twice in sweat. They just blew right by him. They didn't. It wasn't much of a move. It was just right by him. Like, he couldn't fucking move, and they just paid him all this money and extended him to a five-year deal. So he needs to get better. I think the rest of the offensive line played well. I love Tyler Smith. Um, He had that false start call, which was close. It was close. The the one thing I didn't want the game to come down to was I didn't want it to come down to penalties, and it almost did. But, yeah, I guess I feel better – Moving forward, that Dallas can hang and 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 you know make it a game with some of the top teams in the league, but I hate losing to the fucking Eagles. I fucking hate it, especially with Hertz playing banged up. It's like, god damn it! But we'll get them next time. We'll get them next time.
0: All right, Sunday night football. Buffalo Bills, 18. Cincinnati Bengals, 20. Joe Burrow, I mean, he's got the receipts from everybody those first couple weeks and what they were saying about the Bengals being dead. Because this team right now, I talked about them already in, in probably being like the second most scary team, talking about the Dep- potential that they can reach Cincinnati Bengals are up there Um, I thought Joe Burrow was absolutely dialed in on Sunday night (laughs) early in the game I thought he was very comfortable he was seeing the field well opens up with a touchdown to Irv Smith Um, great throw to the back corner of the end zone make it seven nothing and then Bills get the ball back they march right down the field and I was like, all right, we got to shoot out here. And they marched right down the field uh, six straight or seven straight passes to start the game for the Bills. Um, there was a great screen design to Diggs uh, for 34 yards on that first drive. Really good play. And it's like I don't see enough of that. I don't see enough of creativity in Buffalo. Like, look what that play just did for you. I don't see enough of that. There's too much of just like – slinging it around, you know, running around, waiting for something to happen. I feel like there's too much of that. No creativity. But anyways, Burrow, great throw on third and 10 with the ball back that next drive to Tyler Boyd, who I thought played really good, put him in the red zone. Start that game, Joe Burrow was 11 for 14, 114 yards and a touchdown, and it just continued all night. Joe Mixon got a tutty, like I said, He's running a lot better than I than I thought that he had left in the tank. He is the second longest tenured running back with their team right now in the league. Derrick Henry's one and Mixon's two. So he's been around a minute in Cincinnati, and I think he still, still looks pretty good running the ball for them. Um, Josh Allen throws his ninth pick of the year to Cam Taylor-Britt, put the Bengals in the red zone. Cam Taylor-Britt, I mentioned him before. I feel like he's one of the most underrated cornerbacks in the league. I think he's an absolute dog. I really do. I think Cam Taylor-Britt is really good, really good corner. And then Dax Hill at safety, those two guys I thought played another great game for them. Um, Bills did not get James Cook going. I feel like I'm just – Beating this drum every time we talk about the Bills. Um, I'm honestly tired of talking about it, but it was the same, same predictable Bills offense in that game. And ultimately, the Bengals knew what they wanted to do. The Bengals got a good defense. You're not going to beat the Bengals defense um, doing what you have been doing. It's just not going to happen. So, Bengals, like I said, they got their tight ends involved finally. I think getting them involved, T. Higgins, the game that he had, he had eight catches for 110 yards. Like, if we see that with what Chase can do, that's when you're really talking about this. There's there's too many of these games where we see T. Higgins just go quiet. And he's dealt with some injuries, too, over the last couple of years. There's too many of those games. Like, if we can get him on that level with Jamar Chase paired up on the other side, that, the way Burrow is dialed in right now, there's no there's no limit to to what the Bengals can accomplish. And on top of that, they got a really good defense, and I think they got one of the best D coordinators in the league with Luana Rumo. Um, ultimately, they end up winning twenty four to eighteen. Mixon sealed sealed the game late with a third and four, but that's all I got for that game.
1: This was our first juicy bet that hit. All right. Um, it was the only one that hit. So we had a bad beat on the Falcons one and non-applicable to the Giants. And then we hit with the Bengals. So yeah, it was, uh, it was a good game though. I, I think that we knew going in that Josh Allen again was going to have to be the superhero. He's going to have to play Superman in order for them to win that game. He did not. And they did not win. I, thought that they used Kincaid really well I like the way that they they're getting Dalton Kincaid you you know involved in the offense and the way that they're utilizing him but they need to do this when Dawson Knox is healthy too like he can't he can't just disappear when Dawson Knox comes back you spend the first round pick on the kid he clearly is showing that he can do it If he has to be the guy, if he has to be the guy, then make him the guy. You can, in my opinion, I mean, it's just the extended Dawson Knox. Yes, go ahead.
0: I completely forgot to mention that Kincaid fumble. That was a huge play in the game. Yeah. I just thought it was great defensive play by Cincinnati. Great tackle, great punch out. Um, And that was a critical play late in that game. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, and he got that was the one he got like flipped upside down, right? Jermaine Pratt. My boy, that's
1: my cousin. That's my cousin. Um, Yeah, I mean, I just, as I was saying, like the way that they were utilizing Kincaid, I think they need to do that even when Dawson Knox comes back. I know they extended Dawson Knox um, and gave him a three-year extension and paid him like a top 10 tight end in the league, but I think you have that tight end who can be just as productive as him, and and technically like he has been. Since Dawson Knox has been out and Kincaid has been in the starting role, he's been more productive than Dawson Knox when he was in that role. So they just – it doesn't hurt to have two really good tight ends. So just that might be the Bills' biggest thing is finding a way to utilize them because their offense has been um, very stagnant. I feel like over the last few weeks they haven't really been able to get a whole lot going like they were the first few weeks, especially against the Dolphins earlier in the year. And everyone thought the Bills were Super Bowl favorites, and now they're what five and four. So, yeah. And I'm not worried about it. I'm not overreacting to this game. As you know, they played a good Bengals team. I don't know against a good Burrow.
0: I'm. Lo- cool. I don't know. I'm. I'm looking at it now. when I'm about to like. Josh Allen once again was their leading rusher with 44 yards. James Cook six carries for 20. And then Latavius had two carries for four. Maybe they have a plan for Leonard Fournette where they're automatically just gonna completely change their run scheme and try to run the ball. Maybe they they're planning something that we don't know about. Who knows? But the way this is trending right now, I don't I don't, I'm not optimistic anymore about the Bills. And I said it after they lost to the Jags that I wasn't really worried about them. But It's getting to the point where I'm not too optimistic anymore about them. Um, Gabe Davis had nine catches last week. Remember we talked about that? Yeah. You know how many catches he had Sunday night? Zero. Goose egg. Zero catches. Like that's supposed to be your number two wide receiver. Like you see what the Bengals' number two wide receiver did, T. Higgins – and Gabe Davis has zero catches. Now, Kincaid, I think, is going to be a baller. I think Kincaid is really good, mm-hmm. and he's going to be a, a reliable playmaker for their offense. He's going to bail them out a ton in the middle of the field, especially. Mm-hmm. But there's just not there's not enough. There's not enough creativity. There's not enough like spreading the ball. Um, it's, it was just all Diggs and Kincaid and just no threat of a run game. Just if it, if it is a run, it's Josh taking off. So, same shit from the Bills. But you got anything else on that one? Yeah, I mean, I it,
1: Matt asked me another question that you know it's kind of a what if because um, in that in the draft, I'm pretty sure um, the the Vikings took Jordan Addison. Was it one or two spots ahead of the Bills? Well, I know the Bills uh, – it's more than that because I think the Bills ended up trading up to jump in front of Dallas to take Kincaid because they thought Dallas was going to take Kincaid. Um, but either way, he asked me, he was like, if you had the choice, if you were the Bills, you had the choice of Jordan Addison or Kincaid, who would you take? And I said, honestly, probably Jordan Addison. I really like Kincaid, but that's – more so speaking to the level of play of everybody in that receiving court other than Diggs. Gabe Davis is hit or miss, and most of the time when he does get catches, they're just deep routes. like he's not he's not doing a whole lot of intermediate short work in the middle of the field. Most of the time when Josh Allen hits Gabe Davis, it's on a go route or a post. It's something down the field. It's never intermediate, middle of the field work. Everybody else, they got what? Heart, uh is it Hardy? They got Shakir,
0: Deontay Hardy. Yeah,
1: yeah. The zero catches that Shakir kid. Uh, like they don't have any playmakers other than Diggs. They just don't. So I feel like I would, if you add Jordan Addison to that offense, the Bills would still be okay because they have Dawson Knox. But that's the thing moving forward. You have Kincaid. You have Knox. Kincaid is your second best receiver on the team. So they need to start utilizing him like he is the second best receiver on the team, even when Dawson Knox is back. I don't think that, um, like I said, I'm gonna. I'm not going to overreact to this game. I like the Bengals going into it. That's why we, I took them at minus two and made them a juicy bet. I think the Bills – have to figure some things out moving forward a big thing for them was making moves on the defensive side of the ball to shore up that defense i know they made that trade for douglas which was big they went out and signed linval joseph to try to shore up the de-tackle position and add depth maybe like you said leonard fournette plays a role in the offense that they is crucial i mean i don't see that happening but you never know you never know in the, in the nfl so I think the Bills will be okay, but they're not the team that everybody thought they were five weeks ago.
0: Yeah. A few more things. Like I do think Kincaid should he should be that that second featured target in your offense. Mm-hmm. I I do think he's shown that he's he's a weapon out there. Um going back to the draft, Seahawks took JSN at twenty, Chargers took Quentin Johnson at twenty one. Next pick, Ravens take Zay Flowers. Next pick after that, Vikings take Jordan Addison. And then two picks after that was Dalton Kincaid. Damn. Yeah. So all those receivers, and then Kincaid went um in the twenties of that first round. That's I mean, outside of Quentin Johnson, who I mean, there's still who knows with him what he can be. Mm-hmm. Who knows? I'm not going to kill the kid for, you know, his right. first eight games. But right that that was a run right there in the draft, I feel like. Yeah, I know. Um, but, yeah, it is what it is. Talk about who knows with, with Fournette. But to me, he's not that explosive player. Like, James Cook is the explosive player. Yeah. James Cook's the one you can get out on the edge and you can throw the ball to and he can do something with it. like. Even if it takes dumping it off to him and l- making something happen, he's that guy. I don't think Lenny's oh. that guy right now. No, and
1: you know what I saw from them last year when Cook was a rookie, they were lining him up outside, and he was running slant routes. Where's that been this year? You know what I mean? He's more polished and he's sure-handed. Like I just don't know where the the drop-off is from last year to this year as far as utilization for him. But um, one off-topic thing I wanted to say that I forgot to bring up earlier is the more and more that I watch Zay Flowers, the more and more I think he's like the closest thing to Tyreek Hill that we're probably going to get other than Tyreek himself. Like he's just – it's the size, the quickness, the speed, the way he can just stop on a dime. I love – I mean, he had that one rough week against the Steelers, but other than that, I just love what Zay Flowers brings to the table.
0: Yeah. He's fun to watch. He's fun to watch. Yeah. All right, let's cap it off. Monday night football, another game, not much to talk about. I don't even have notes on this game. Chargers beat the Jets 27-6. to this was just a rough watch last night. I regrettably stayed up um, <laughs> until the end of it, you know, hoping that hoping that the Jets could make something happen, but it it never did. I mean, Zach Wilson didn't have time. Zach Wilson wasn't good. I think he, they ended up with six sacks against him. I wasn't sure, but it felt like the Chargers D was just eating all night. I thought Joey Bosa looked really good. I mentioned Derwin James earlier. I thought that was one of those games where you felt Derwin James' impact um, in that game, and that's fun. It's, I love I love seeing Derwin James when he's he's at his highest level. He's one of those fun players to watch, and the Chargers are one of those fun teams to watch when they get it going. Yeah. But right now, it, it, like last last night, it was it was just the defense. The offense didn't do anything special. I mean, Justin Herbert ended up having under 200 yards passing. I know that he ended up with 136 yards passing, Tyler. So, I mean, nothing impressive out of him. He got sacked five times. Uh, The Jets got – Zach Wilson took eight sacks, not six. But, I mean, Eckler only had 47 yards on the the ground. Keenan Allen had eight catches for 77. Shout out to him for getting 10,000 yards in the league. Wow. Um, that was awesome to see. But, I mean, outside of that that highlight from Keenan Allen, he catches for 77 and getting that 10,000, there was just nothing from the Chargers offense. And credit to the Jets' defense. They continue to make quarterbacks' lives hit living hell out there. Like, yeah. that's a really good defense, but bad team. Who's, same story as last year with the Jets – they're just missing the production from the offense. Third downs, they're absolutely terrible. Um fumbles last night killed them. I mean, Zach didn't throw any picks, but they ended up fumbling four times and then losing three of them. Um, I didn't bring up the the punt return also that started the Chargers off last night, and it just felt like the Jets need need things like that to go their way to have a chance. Like this version of the Jets, they need those special teams plays, they need those breaks, um, you know, those fumbles, those strip sacks. They need they need those. They can't afford to give those up because their offense is not good enough. Um, mm-hmm. They're just not. Hopefully, Rogers. I mean, I know it's it's going to be a miracle. It's going to be a long shot. It'll be a Hollywood story if he makes it back, but. I would love to see it. I would love to see it because that Jets defense is fighting their asses off and not getting rewarded for it. I'm not going to overreact too much to the Chargers. I still think they got a bad head coach and they're going to continue to underperform. I don't see them as – I really don't see them as a like a Super Bowl threat coming out of the AFC. I don't because they just continue to underperform and – Justin Herbert's got all the tools, all the skills in the world, but I need to see him do it. Like Enough talk. I need to see him do it. I know you're missing Mike Williams, but they drafted you a receiver in the first round. Get that guy going. You still got Keenan Allen. You still got Austin Eckler, and then you got all those guys on the defense. Highest paid defense in the league. There's just no – I'm not giving Justin Herbert those those excuses anymore. I know Brandon Staley's a bad head coach, so – I do hope they fire him. So now we could see the best version of Justin Herbert. you know, bring in an offensive coach maybe, but I need to see better out of him. I need to see better out of Kellen Moore who they brought in and everybody made a big deal about um, for the chargers. But yeah, that's all I got from that one. Um, one more thing I want to touch on since we went through the jets, the bills, we just got done, excuse me. We just got done t- talking about the bills. Now we're talking about the jets that AFC East, all those teams lost. So while I say I'm not highly optimistic about the Bills, I still think like it's it's essentially their division to lose here because you already beat Miami once and you can play them again. And then the Jets losing last night too. Like it's all in front of you if you're the Bills. And same thing for Miami. Like people are talking down on miami but it's like it's all in front of miami so i like those two teams chances a hell of a lot better than i do with uh, zach wilson and nate hackett's offense
1: yeah so i i like the three and a half that the jets were getting going into that game i unfortunately was working late into the start of the game by the time I was able to meet the boys out uh, for dinner, because it was Thomas's last day in town before he left. So I went to go meet them out for dinner. And by the time I got there from the office, it was well into the second quarter. So I had no idea. I wasn't even to watch the game by the time we ate, left, and I got home. It was then midway through the fourth quarter. So I didn't even get to see any of the game. Um, so basically what you just explained was the most that – the most that I um, have heard about it. I haven't done any. I didn't even look what the final score was. I just know that the Jets were losing and they weren't going to cover three and a half or get. They weren't even going to get to the three and a half that they were getting. Excuse me. So, uh, but it sounds like Zach Wilson was Zach Wilson. He was the Wilson that we know and we've become accustomed to um, seeing. Yeah. Uh, so I don't have much on this one. I don't really have anything. <laughs> I just. Hope that uh, I, I'm a Kellen Moore fan, obviously, since he was with the Dallas organization for so long. So I hope that they move on from Staley and give Kellen Moore an opportunity. But to be quite f- frankly honest, I don't know if Kellen Moore is ready for that. But fuck it, throw him in. What's the worst that can happen? Yeah, you know,
0: I didn't realize uh, you didn't see it, or else I would have pointed out Zach Wilson. I he might have. Take those fumbles away. Like you could argue that he outplayed Justin Herbert last night. That's the weird thing about it. Oh, really? Like you would think that. No, like Justin Herbert ended up going sixteen for thirty for one hundred and thirty six, uh, with a Q, QB rating of forty one. Um, but Zach Wilson, Zach Wilson threw it forty nine times, um, he, and he ended up with two sixty three. He yeah,
1: threw it forty nine times. times.
0: Yeah. So, <laughs> no, and I get that hey. they're trailing, but you can't expect Zach Wilson. To, like, as an offensive play caller, you're having that dude go out there and throw the ball 49 times. You're just setting him up to fail, especially with a, a bad front and a really capable Chargers D line who can get after you with, with Bosa and Cleo Mack. Uh, Joseph Day played good for them, too. But it's like that's – Wilson had 263 yards passing, but it it was like they were always trying to make something happen. every time they got something going in the run game, it was – there was just nothing there. And if something did pop off, it was like every time something popped off, there was a penalty that brought it back. Mm. I had Brees Hall going last night against Dave. I was down 12 points going into that game. I had Brees Hall. And I think he ended up with like five or six points for me. So wow. it's like there's just there's nothing going there. Um, and Delvin Cook only got the ball twice, and he he ran for seven yards. So not too much to take away from that game.
1: What's the point of them signing Dalvin Cook and ultimately holding on to him at the deadline when they could have probably gotten a couple of draft picks for him if they're not even going
0: to use the guy? That's the thing, like you're just wasting the guy away there. Well, hopefully they figure that out. I don't out. wanna I didn't wanna I probably shouldn't have used the words that Zach Wilson outplayed Justin Herbert, because his QBR for the day ended up at seventeen point nine. It's just one of those shit show games, one of those NFL shit shows that tough watch, especially wow. for prime time. Wow. Primetime let us down. Seventeen point nine. Yeah. that's tough but that's it that's it for our week nine nfl recap don't forget to like and subscribe on youtube follow us on spotify apple Podcasts. like and follow us on facebook follow us on instagram new underscore score underscore podcast we appreciate y'all for listening um we intend to keep engaging with you guys the best that we can getting some feedback from you, getting some questions, plan on being back later this week for some segments and for our week 10 preview. Tyre. Yeah.
1: So I just wanted to say before we get out of here that, uh, like I mentioned earlier in the podcast, rough week, you take those on the chin, you move on, you get back on the fucking horse and you keep betting, you keep betting. We're going to be back next week. I've been busy as fuck lately. No excuse. This week I'm coming with the statistics. I'm coming back with facts, and we're gonna get right back on the train. We're gonna get rolling next week. Tune in later this week. Um, we're gonna have I'm gonna have a lot more for you guys, and our juicy bets are going to be juicy, juicy.
0: <laughs> Thanks, guys, for listening. We will see you later this week. Goodbye. Bye.